Well, good evening. Good evening to everybody who's there with us online. If you're on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, any of those different platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share uh, our post tonight. If you're there on phone live streaming, also welcome to you. If you need that number for phone live streaming, just call the church office. We'll be glad to give that to you. Anybody in here, I can give that number to you tonight so you can share that uh, with other individuals. But I encourage you, especially on Facebook, that's where we'll be receiving your prayer requests. So be sure to comment there uh, during the live part of the service. If you need to send us a prayer request any other time, you can do that by calling the church office, uh, commenting in any of the other platforms, as well as you can send it to us in an email at highlandbaptist.cafes.net or highlandbaptisttelahoma at gmail.com. While you're there on the internet, if you would, just go over to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there that you'll find the worship bulletin, so be sure to get that downloaded. Lots of upcoming activities for the month of December. If you're in person and you need one of those, uh, those are around on the sides here. Uh, be sure to pick up one of those uh, so you'll be aware of all the upcoming things. You should be getting your newsletter in the mail uh, possibly tomorrow, I believe, if you didn't get it already uh, today. So uh, you'll have all of those activities upcoming too. And that'll also be uh, on the internet there under that info tab uh, for our church website. So be sure to download that too. Also, you've got the worship bulletins for children there. You can share those, print those, however you want to do that. Uh, you can get the printed versions in, in person over here to my right and then also don't forget the prayer list is there under that info tab get that downloaded especially for tonight so that we can go over our prayer list and update any prayer requests uh, that we may have on the list there while you're there on the website I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com go to the far right hand side click the give online tab there you can do your online giving uh, there we uh, finished up our golden offering for Tennessee missions you can still give that if you want if you didn't do that already but we'll be beginning this coming Sunday our emphasis for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions uh, and so you'll be getting some resources and information about that as well as those envelopes uh, for the the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, as well as you'll be seeing some videos coming out about our missionaries and we'll have a special emphasis this coming Sunday night for uh, that particular um, emphasis. So join us this Sunday night to learn more about our missionaries and what God is doing in and through them. So Brother Mike, if you will come and lead us in our worship. Take your hymnals and turn to 519. Uh, what a better song to sing when, when you're ending up the study of Revelation. Face to face with Christ my Savior. 519. Face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be, when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me, face to face I shall behold him, far beyond the starry sky.
day that is going to be when we do get to see him face to face in the suite by and by. Uh, let me get my phone switched over here to Facebook so I can follow up with any prayer requests that are there. And let me also check to make sure I have a message here. Okay. Yeah, I want to share that. All right. So as you take your prayer list, uh, out. Uh, hopefully you've got that printed off or at least have a digital copy uh, there with you uh, online. Uh, so be sure to have that uh, in hand. Uh, and I'll, I'll be watching here on Facebook to make sure if you share any prayer requests there. I do have one that someone sent me uh, in a message uh, just a few moments ago. Uh, but if you would, uh, take a look at the Highland Baptist Church family side there. Uh, we're going to go through that whole side there and then we'll catch the friends and family side next Wednesday night. Uh, and kind of go through that so you can give us some updates there on any that you may have updated. Uh, we'll just catch the highlights at the bottom of the list. Usually the ones that we've more recently added are the ones who are at the bottom of the list. The more long-term requests are either from, from the top about midway or, or a little more than halfway down. So uh, on our Highland Baptist Church uh, family side, we have SW and Carolyn Stone. Any update on them, Christy? Okay, so they're about the same, hanging tough, and so we just praise the Lord for that. Just keep them in your prayers. Uh, continue to be with Brother Charles Saunders in prayer. Uh, he has been attending, still has those issues with his uh, throat there, but things are going well with him. Remember Jim Hess, uh, as he's 
traveling. He still asks for prayer for traveling mercies as he's uh, truck driving now. Uh, so remember him in prayer. Vicki Boswell, keep her in prayer. She has multiple uh, things that are uh, going on with her. Uh, remember Bell Royton uh, in your prayers with her Bell's palsy. Things are going well with her in that, but uh, it still is there. So just continue to uh, keep, keep her in your prayers. And then also Mike Durham, uh, Bill Warren. How is Brother Bill? Doing very good? Okay. Would he be okay to remove from the list? Or do you think he's... Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Bill Warren uh, there, just you can keep him in your prayers, but we will remove him there from the list. Arthur Hargrove, uh, he's not been here a couple of Sundays. Do you know anything? Anybody? Okay. Uh, Beverly Daniels, any updates on her? Rosalie Moore, we know that she had her 100th, 100th birthday uh, this past Sunday, and we just praise the Lord for that, to reach that milestone. Uh, that's a lot of water under the bridge, a lot of things that she's seen change uh, over her life. Uh, remember Kim Saunders, uh, who has some medical issues. Uh, this is a friend of, uh, she actually has come here before, uh, but she's also a friend of Brian Tate. So he asked us to keep her in your prayers. Brenda Gilbert also, and then uh, Myra Watson, both of those with medical issues. Cindy Jordan with some medical issues. Mark Raymond uh, has had his shot, but he still, uh, I know he sat out a little bit out in the foyer uh, this past Sunday uh, in the more comfortable chair there because of it hurting his back. Uh, a lot, so just keep him in your prayers uh, too. And then Diane Tatum, uh, she had her procedure done uh, and some tests done, but she they, she sent me this message uh, this afternoon that said uh, she's gonna be having surgery in January to fuse the L5 and the S1 uh, discs there, so supposed to help with balance pain and sciatic nerve pain that she's been experiencing since Monday night. So keep her in your prayers uh, with that as she continues to face that, and Brother Jack Dowd also uh, had the shots, but they didn't work, and that's kind of where Diane was, that she had the shots and they didn't do too much there, so. Say that again. Okay, so pray, pray for him as he seeks another surgeon to go a little bit deeper there and a doctor to find out what they can do, what they can possibly do there. And then Rick German with his knee replacement, he's had that done, uh, but still going through the rehab, so keep him uh, in your prayers. Uh, also, we mentioned prayer for uh, Todd's mom, Wanda Nichols. She, she has been moved to the uh, nursing home, uh, so keep her uh, in your prayers and keep him in your prayers. And then we've added one to the friends and family side, that's Braden Wyndham. This was a friend of Bradley Rogers uh, that he mentioned this past Sunday. It's about a 12 or 13 year old boy uh, who has a mass on his colon. So we wanna uplift that family and him in your prayers. Uh, you can see the others that are listed there. So if there's any updates, do you have any updates or any additions to add? Now I'm looking on Facebook and I don't see any there on Facebook. All right, so if we have no others, then let's go to the Lord in prayer for these, and then we'll go down the friends and family side next week and kind of give some updates and 
and uh, remove a few off of that list side also. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, for watching over us, for keeping us safe. Uh, Father, we know there are many people who were affected by the storms last night and, and, and yesterday afternoon, and we just pray, God, that you'll be with those families and those individuals across multiple states in the southeast. We pray, Lord, that you'll provide for their every need, whatever those needs may be. And Father, we just want to give you the glory and the honor for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you for life itself. Thank you for the breath that we breathe. Thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and empowers us to do the work you've called us to. And Heavenly Father, we just want to come before your throne of grace, first and foremost, acknowledging we are nothing and you are everything, and that we need you and we love you and we know that you love us. And so we come before you, Lord, to confess any sin that may be in our hearts because we don't want anything to hinder our prayers on behalf of these individuals on this prayer list uh, or any other unspoken needs that we may have. Father, we just come and ask that as you, uh, as you hear our confession of our sins, may you wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, ca casting our sins as far as the east is from the west. And Father, we just pray that you would remember those things no more, uh, that they would not be held, account, held to our account anymore. And Father, we ask for your cleansing. We ask for the purifying precious blood of Christ uh, to renew us. Uh, may your word uh, refresh us and renew us in our hearts and our minds to, to lead us back, Lord, to a faithful walk with you. And Father, we pray for those especially uh, who may be on this list or maybe uh, just a part of our hearts, of our family, of our friends who don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, that is the ultimate prayer request that every one of us ought to be praying for each and every day, praying for the salvation of those lost souls. Because we know, Lord, that to be healed physically uh, eventually means we still eventually will pass away from this earth. And so where will we go when we pass from this earth uh, into the next uh, eternal life is either in, in heaven or in hell. And so, Father, we want as many people as uh, we can take with us uh, to heaven. And so, Father, we pray that you'll bring people across our path uh, if we don't already have them in our lives already, uh, that we might be able to share the gospel with, that we would encourage them, uh, point them to faith in Christ by our actions, by our words. Uh, may others see Jesus in us. Uh, and Lord, we just pray that you will uh, pour out your spirit uh, upon them, Lord, to, to light the path for them and bring people across their path, bring us across their path to encourage them and point them to faith in Jesus. Give us the boldness, Lord, uh, to stand and to speak as well as to live the truth of the word of God. And Father, we especially now want to uplift each and every one of these who are on this list and who have been on this list, some for uh, quite a while. And we just pray, God, that your healing hand would be upon them, divinely intervene in their hearts and their lives to show your power and your glory and your majesty as you bring that healing to them. Lord, we just pray that as your healing hand touches them, may you receive all the glory and all the honor uh, for everything that you do in their lives. Father, we pray that uh, you will use these uh, situations and these circumstances that these individuals are going through uh, to bring them, Lord, to a closer walk with you. And Father, we just pray that you will use it to strengthen their faith uh, with you. Father, we pray that for those who don't know Christ, uh, that it'll be an opportunity, another opportunity for them to have, uh, to, to accept Jesus as our Savior. For those who do know Christ as our Lord and Savior, Lord, may you uh, send the Holy Spirit to be the comfort, uh, the encourager, the strength, the guide that they need uh, for making right decisions each and every day. Be with our Awana kids that are meeting today. Lord, we just pray a special blessing upon them and their workers, uh, those who are faithfully teaching uh, those 
young hearts and young minds, uh, raising up the next generation. Father, we pray for our youth uh, who are meeting with Pastor Matt. We pray, God, that you will just uh, stir their hearts to a more faithful walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for those who are seeking ways to, to serve you and to be faithful in their walk with you. And so, Father, we ask a special blessing upon them. And, Lord, we pray that you'll bless each and every person who's here tonight uh, to study your word and those who are watching online or listening uh, on the phone. We just pray, God, that they will hear uh, your voice speaking to them through the power of your word. Uh, Father, may your word go forth and not return void. And, and as we come to this last chapter, in this last section of this last chapter, Father, I pray that we will make ourselves full circle back to the beginning of this book and the blessing that you have laid out for us in this book, that those who read this book, those who hear this book, and those who keep the words of this book, uh, Lord, would be blessed. And so we pray that you would help us to experience that threefold blessing in our hearts, in our lives, tonight and each and every day. So bless your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll take your Bibles, as we said, turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, in what chapter? 22. We have finally, finally arrived at chapter 22. Chapter 22 being the last chapter here. I've entitled the message, uh, The King is Coming. And uh, let me get caught up with where I'm at here so I can be speeding you along through the slides here too. Uh, <clears throat> these are the last words uh, from Jesus in the book of uh, Revelation. And not only the last words of the book of Revelation, but also the last words of the whole of the Bible. Uh, we have gone through uh, this whole section, uh, this whole book. Uh, you have seen as we've gone through our prophecy chart, we have gone through the letters to the seven churches. We have gone through those seven seal judgments uh, that God poured out uh, upon the people. Uh, we have also seen, and I don't think I have mine in my Bible with me, but you've also seen the seven trumpets uh, that were blown. And with each one of those was another succession of, of judgments that came upon the earth. Uh, and then we had a little step back, get the bigger 30,000 foot view uh, of what we've just read in those previous chapters in that uh, section in the middle there. And then we went back to the judgments and those final judgments in the seven bowls. All of those judgments were brought about not just to, to punish the people, that's a part of it, but the primary purpose of it was to bring them to the place of repentance. And every single time uh, that you see those judgments come, instead of people repenting, they get angry with God, uh, they lash out at God, when they themselves, as it is with us today, we ourselves are, are, the, are the, the problem. Uh, it, it's not that we can blame our, our parents uh, for the way we are or blame uh, the, the preacher or blame God. Uh, we have made our own choices, and we are the ones responsible and will be held accountable for the decisions and the choices we've made. And so that's all those judgments in those three sections there uh, in the, the, the seven uh, seals, the seven trumpets, and then the seven bowls. Oops, I think I've stripped off of there. Let me pull this down. everything else off my screen. <laughs> Let's pull it big there. 
All right, and those, se those seven seals, those seven trumpets, and then the seven bowls, all of that is God's judgment to bring about the people to repentance. And then that led us to that last section of your prophecy chart where we have the seven-year reign of Christ, uh, uh, sorry, the thousand-year reign of Christ, that's the, the millennial reign. You have the great white throne judgment uh, that comes right after that. And then you also have the, new, the description of the new heaven and the new earth. And we finish that part uh, leading into chapter 22, verses 1 through verse 5, where we talked last week, last time about the river of life. But today we're going to be talking about the king is coming. And so I want us to begin with verse 6. And the first thing I want you to see is this, is the confirmation of Jesus, the confirmation of who he is and what he has come to do. And so uh, I won't have a lot of the supporting verses up on the screen. You may want to jot those down in your notes if you're taking notes, uh, but uh, I will share some of those with you. Uh, but we primarily will just have the Revelation scriptures here on the screen. So <coughs> beginning with verse 6, verse 6 says this, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must take, what must soon take place. And so uh, let me just kind of set the stage for you here in these verses. We've been on this journey together, studying the book of New Test uh, of the Revelation here uh, for many weeks and months, uh, really, uh, really back almost to the beginning uh, of the year. And I hope that through this study of the book of Revelation that you've grown uh, in your Christian walk and I hope that you feel like you love the Lord more because of where we are and what we've studied uh, through the book of Revelation. And of course you recognize also uh, the fact that these are the last words uh, in the Bible, uh, not just the book of Revelation but also of the Bible. Uh, so in other words what we see is God concludes the whole canon of scripture with these words. If there were no book of the Revelation, someone would have had to be inspired to write it because the Bible would not be complete without this word. Uh, there would be many unanswered questions that we would have if we didn't have this book. We wouldn't know, for instance, how history was going to end. Yet in the book of Revelation, we're told exactly uh, just how it's all going to conclude. Uh, if we didn't have the book of Revelation, we wouldn't know what, what would be the outcome of the devil. Uh, we know the devil's real. We know he's alive and well on this planet, uh, even tonight. And we would wonder, what's going to take place with the devil? What's going to happen to him? If we didn't have the book of Revelation, we wouldn't know. Uh, but aren't you glad that you have a book who tells us that one of these days, the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire? Uh, that there's not going to be any devil anymore uh, and all the mischief and all the things that he brings into our lives. We need the book of Revelation because it's also a book that tells us about our eternal destiny. It's a book that tells us uh, that for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, there's this terrible place called hell. And for those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ there as their personal savior, there's this wonderful place called heaven. So we need the book of Revelation. Uh, God has given us this wonderful book, this last book of the Bible, but it's also God's last words, not only to us, but also to the lost and dying world, to all of humanity. Uh, it's as if God comes to the conclusion of all of his revelation here in, in the book of Revelation and all of the revelation of the Bible. And one more time, God wants to invite humanity, this world, to come to him. 
It's as if God says, uh, let me give you one more opportunity, one more chance, one more appeal. Uh, I want you to make, I, I want to make one more invitation for you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, for some, even some who may be watching tonight, uh, this may be the most important uh, night of your life. I don't know how old you are. I don't know the significance of the days that you've lived, the experiences you've been through, even those mountaintop experiences. But this could be the greatest day of your life if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior because he's giving you one more opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. These last words. In these last words, John has come to the completion of the visions uh, of the revelation. And through uh, John, we've been allowed to see, man, some awesome, awesome visions here and things that were going to happen in the last days. Uh, he's come to the end of it all. Uh, it, it's all over, and he's giving the final words of a summary here, which are the verses beginning in verse 6 and going through the end of this chapter uh, in the end of this book. And, and so what is going to be the focus of John as you think about in these last few verses from verse 6 all the way down through verse 21. What's going to be the focus? What's going to be the final word? What can he add to all the things that he's already said? As he's shown us what to expect, what is he going to focus upon? Well, notice in these verses, he turns once again to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just remind you that the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the theme of the book, if you remember, we talked about this way months ago, uh, back in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, you find the theme of the whole book there. It says, Behold, uh, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so... Amen. And so the theme of the revelation is the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 1-7, and in particular, his coming again. So everything revolves in, the, in Revelation and in the Bible and in this world around Jesus. Jesus is the theme, and he's also the thesis of the Bible. He is the origin and the gold of all human history. Uh, he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ again, John does. So whether you ever understand everything that Revelation teaches, whether you know all the details, and uh, many of us still don't know all the details, it, it really doesn't matter as, as long as uh, through it all you're able to get a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and to learn to love and to serve the Lord Jesus uh, more faithfully, uh, to have that burning desire in your hearts to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so that's the real purpose, not to figure out uh, what is specifically the mark of the beast. Is it a card? Is it a, is it a tattoo? Is it a, uh, something that's branded on us? What, all those kind of details we want to sometimes know about the book uh, of Revelation. So think about this. If you only had one word to use, it's really the word him, Jesus. Uh, you could lose the whole Bible except one word, and yet in that one word, you would have the essence of the whole Bible. The Bible is a him book, an H-I-M book, the book of, of Jesus Christ. It presents to us the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, it says to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, Acts 10, 
43. And so Jesus is not only the center of Revelation, the book of Revelation, he is also the center of the Bible, the theme of the Bible, the great hero of the Bible. And in sharing with you these messages from the book of Revelation, it would be a tragedy for us to get so involved in the details and so involved in the, in the minutia that we fail to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what John, here on this island of Patmos, writing to us the visions God has shown to him, that's the point he's wanted us to see is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so first of all, we look and we see this confirmation of Jesus. In verse 6 and the following verses, Jesus gives a rather remarkable confirmation of the Word of God. Jesus says, notice there in verse 6, these words are trustworthy and true. So there Jesus Christ himself confirms the trustworthiness of the Word of God of the Bible. He's talking in particular about the book of Revelation, but by extension, he's also extending that to the entire Word of God. So here is Jesus's stamp of approval, if you will, on the Bible, uh, his authentication and his, his exaltation uh, of the written Word. Now, the, the terminology faithful and true, uh, or trustworthy and true there, is used two other times in the book of Revelation. It's found in Revelation 3, verse 14, where Jesus said about himself that he was faithful or trustworthy and true. It's found the second time in Revelation 19, 11, where again that same terminology, trustworthy and true, or faithful and true, applies to the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus in his person is trustworthy and true. He is trustworthy and true, and his word is trustworthy and true. In fact, it's John who wrote at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so when he says here that the word is trustworthy, these words are trustworthy and true, that also is by extension saying he is trustworthy and true. And so he takes that same terminology here and applies it to the written word of God that was used to describe himself in those other two passages in Revelation. The word of God is faithful or trustworthy and true. And Psalm 138 verse 2. The Bible says this, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not every word that comes from our mouth or your brother or your sister's mouth. What word comes from the word of, that comes from the mouth of God. Again in Matthew 24 and verse 35. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So Jesus Christ exalts the word of God. It is faithful and trustworthy. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, wrote the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, these are the true words of God. These are faithful words of God. Every page of the word of God oozes with the divine truth. Every statement of the Bible rings with the authority of divine accuracy uh, and faithfulness. God's word is true. Uh, if you come to God's word at some point and you say, well, maybe this part is not true, then the whole thing crumbles. It's either all true or not true. 
God's word is faithful and true. And so he, he affirms that. He says it's dependable. Uh, that's the confirmation uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ concerning the trustworthiness of the Bible. He also affirms the blessedness of the Bible. The blessedness of the Bible. Uh, look at verse 7, and he says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. That reminds us automatically there back to the beginning uh, of Revelation. Revelation 1 verse 3 that we've already pointed out there. That at the beginning when we started our study of the book of Revelation. Uh, this is the only book that attaches a special blessing to it. All the rest of the books in the Bible don't have this kind of special blessing to attached to it. Uh, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, let me remind you what the word says there. Blessed is the one who reads about the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So there's a special blessing that's attached to this book to those who read it, to those who hear it, to those who keep it. And so at the conclusion of this book, he comes all the way back around full circle to the blessing again. Now, some, when they look at the book of Revelation, uh, would say, well, we should just avoid the book of Revelation because nobody can understand it anyway. Yet when you read it, you'll discover that this book of God is to be an open book. I want to skip down to verse 10, uh, if you will. Verse 10. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. That's different from what God says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 when he gives the prophecy back there. And he says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So he says, shut it up, Daniel. Seal this book until the time of the end. But here in Revelation, John, he tells John, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? For the time is near. To seal it up means it can be understood. It's just not to be understood until the seal is removed. And the seal is only removed when it gets closer to the time of the end. So here's a book which God has given to us, which can be understood. And God says, if you'll read this book, and if you'll obey this book, and do the sayings of this book, I'll give you a special blessing. So when you read the book of Revelation, don't read it and think, well, I can't understand what all that says. God wouldn't tell you that he's going to give you a special blessing if you read it, and, and then you go to read it, and you're not going to understand anything he's going to say anyway in it. He said, he's telling us here, you can understand uh, the premises, the basic things of this book that you need to understand. Uh, you know, revelation never ceases to be a blessing. It never fails. God always blessed. He says, blessed are those who keep this book, who keep the words of this prophecy. That is, watch over this book, guard this book. He confirms its trustworthiness. He confirms its blessedness. But he also confirms the purpose of this book. Now, you'll notice in verse 8 that John makes somewhat of the same mistake that he made uh, earlier. Uh, look at verse 8. And verse 8 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, what did he do? He says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel 
who showed them to me. But then what does verse 9 say? But he said, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brother, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Now, he already had this happen before, and so he makes this same mistake, if you will, uh, again, uh, where he had done that before. Uh, and so he, he falls down to worship this angel in verse 8 and 9. You go back to chapter 19 and verse 10, and you'll see where he had done that before, and the angel had told him then, don't do that. Well, the angel says to John, don't do this. The angel refuses worship because angels are not to be the objects of our worship. Angels are to be examples of our worship. The angels are constantly before the throne of God. They bow down and they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not to worship angels, but we are to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is one of the evidences of the deity of Jesus. You might recall on several occasions that people fell down before Jesus and he didn't rebuke them for doing so. Uh, after his resurrection, you remember, he met his disciples uh, in Galilee. The Bible says that they worshiped him there, and Jesus accepted their worship. When we worship God, uh, when we worship God the Father, we worship God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and we worship God the Holy Spirit, this is the purpose of the book, to bring us to the feet of the Lord Jesus. The purpose of our study of this book, the purpose of the study of the Bible is to bring us before our Savior in adoration and in worship. I love wonderful music that exalts the Lord Jesus. I love to hear those great hymns of prayer and praise. Uh, songs that say like this, All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. You know, it is a precious thing a privilege to gather together in God's house with believers and to join our hearts and our voices together in worship and praise and adoration of Jesus Christ. Because when we get to heaven, that's what we're, one of the things we're going to be doing there. We're going to be bowing before the throne. We're going to be singing before the throne. We're going to be praising God before the throne. It is the intent, that is the intention of the Bible, the confirmation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in these, this final summary words here, John also sets before us, uh, secondly, the coming of Jesus. The coming of Jesus. So you got the confirmation of Jesus, then he begins to talk about the coming of Jesus. And you'll see that in verse 7. So here is Jesus who has already said, uh, the words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord God of the Spirit of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And then verse 7 says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And so he says there in verse 7 that. He actually says three times in this whole chapter. In verse 7 and in verse 12 and again in verse 20, Behold, I am coming soon, or I come quickly. 
Uh, he says it in all three of those places. It's a threefold affirmation from the lips of our Savior uh, himself that he's going to come again. We have these beautiful songs about the coming of, of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and he made us this promise that he is coming again. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 3, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. When Jesus was raised from the dead, when he was getting ready to ascend uh, back to the right hand of the Father in glory, uh, he met with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Uh, and as he ascended right there before them up into the heavens, uh, as those disciples were looking at Jesus going up, the angels appeared and, and they said unto them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. He's going to come again. Jesus is coming again. And when Jesus comes again, his coming is going to be imminent. That is that it could happen at any moment. Jesus said, I am coming soon. That means it could be at any moment. We don't know when Jesus is coming. Uh, he may come tonight. Uh, he may not come tomorrow. Uh, it may be a year from now. It may be 10 years from now. It may be 100 years from now. But one thing we know is he is coming any moment. Uh, we need to keep watching. We need to keep waiting. We need to keep working for Jesus uh, until he comes again. So the Lord is trying to get the message out uh, to, uh, that, that he's coming again and give people one more opportunity uh, to receive him as Lord and Savior. So he says, behold, I am coming soon. Not only is his coming going to be imminent, but it will be immediate, quickly, soon. That doesn't mean he's going to come right now necessarily, but it means that when he does come, those events will quickly transpire. Uh, they won't hesitate. Uh, he's going to come on time. He's never been late. He's never been early. He's always on time. Uh, he will be right on schedule. His coming will be immediate. The Bible tells us that in the last days there will be those who will be scoffers. And there are scoffers today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4 says, They will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They're saying ever since the last book of the Bible was written, when John wrote this revelation, he said he was coming soon and he hasn't yet. Where is he? There are those who say, where is the promise uh, of his coming? But one of these days, we know from the authority of the word of God, he is going to come. And when he does, the Bible says it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, instantly, in a moment. Uh, all of that's going to transpire in just a moment. His coming is imminent. It could happen at any moment. His coming is immediate. When he does come, everything will happen in rapid succession. Then his coming is going to be immutable. I mean by that, that when Jesus comes again, certain things, certain matters are going to be fixed. Because notice this remarkable statement when you come over to verse 11. Verse 11 says this, what it, it says this, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. What is that saying? That is saying that decisions determine character. Character determines destiny. 
is saying that when you make a decision concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, either to accept him or to reject him, if you should die in that moment of decision or after that decision, whatever decision you made, when death comes, that's the, exactly the decision you've made. You have to be saved in time. You're not going to get another opportunity to be saved somewhere out there in eternity. That's why the most intelligent, the most uh, reasonable, the most sensible decision that any person will ever make uh, is while you have the opportunity, while you have a mind, while you have the inclination, now is the time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then you go on down to verse 14, and verse 14 says here, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. It's talking about those who are saved. He's saying that when you have a, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a right then to the tree of life if you're saved. If you're saved, you'll get to enter into those gates of that city. So think about it. One of these days, if you're born again, Jesus is going to come or you're going to die, whichever comes first. And if you're born again, uh, you'll go through those gates of that city. If you're saved, you're going to eat of that tree of life. Because verse 15 goes on to say, outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood outside. So there is a remarkable statement here of those who are lost. There are those who are going to be on the inside, and there's those who are going to be on the outside. The question is, are you in or are you out? Don't take a chance about being out and death come. Don't take a chance of being out and Jesus come again. Make sure that you're in, that you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So you see the confirmation of the scriptures. You see the coming uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see the credentials of Jesus in verse 13. Verse 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He explains it in that next statement there in verse 13 that he is the last, he is the first and the last, he is the beginning and the end. Uh, he's saying that he's the alpha, the beginning. He was the first ray of hope in the Garden of Eden when man sinned. He is the omega, uh, God's last word to fallen man here in the book of Revelation. He is your last and your only opportunity to be saved. That is his special credentials. But you also notice his national credentials uh, as you go on to verse 16. Verse 16, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And so we see the, the national credentials there. Jesus was related to the nation of Israel. He came to be the Messiah of the Jewish people. And in that role, he says, I am the root, which means I'm the beginning. I'm the offspring, the shoot of David. I am David's Lord. I am David's son. So he affirms his deity and he affirms his humanity, the root and the offspring. That's his national credential. But not only that, we see his eternal credentials where he says, I am the bright morning star. So the root is hidden in the ground, but when you look up in the sky, you see the stars. They're not hidden. They're open. They're visible. It's in the sky. Jesus is the bright and morning star. What a beautiful picture that is of our Savior. Because God promised that he would send a star. Go all the way back to the book of Numbers. 
in the book of Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. Numbers 24 and verse 17, it says, I see him, but not now. That's speaking back in the book of Numbers days. I behold him, but not near. And then it says this, a star shall come out of Jacob. That just sends chills over me to, to, to read that in the Old Testament. And now to see he is the bright morning star. When Jesus was born, what was there in the sky? A star that led the wise men. Point to the star, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bright and morning star. The morning star is the star that shines at the end of the darkness and the beginning of the dawn. Think about that a moment. It's the brightest star in the sky. Here's the point of that. When things are about as dark as they possibly can get, then the bright and morning star begins to shine. We are living in dark days, and we're, the lights seem to be going out all over the world. We are in serious days and dark, difficult days in, in our times. But when it gets just as dark as it can possibly get, Jesus is going to come. The star is going to arise, the bright and morning star. I'm looking for that star to shine any moment. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says this, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and get this, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Do you have the day star in your heart? Do you have the bright and morning star in your heart? Jesus is going to come one of these days. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus said he would come again. It's for 2,000 years he hasn't come, and scoffers and skeptics and unbelievers have mocked and made fun of the coming of the Lord. Why hasn't Jesus come? Why hasn't he come yet? The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And so the fact that Jesus hasn't come again doesn't mean that God is behind on his promise. Not as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why Jesus hasn't come? I'll tell you why. Jesus hasn't come in order to give lost people another opportunity to be saved. If he came now, some of your friends, some of your family would die and go to hell. That's why he hasn't come yet. But notice this, the last proposition, the last proposition in verse 17. God makes the proposition again here in verse 17. For the last time God issues this invitation, he's basically saying, I want to make this proposal to you. Three times in verse 17, the word come is used. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the, thirsty, the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price three times it's one of the greatest words in all of the bible it occurs uh, hundreds of times in the bible the first time the word come is used in the bible is in the book of genesis uh, when god had told noah to build an ark because they're going to there was going to be the judgment on the earth god was going to send the flood on the earth and when the ark was built god himself stood in the door of the ark and said to noah and his family come into the ark. It was the first invitation 
in all of the Bible. God begins the Bible by saying to humanity, come. And all through the Bible, we read that appeal. Isaiah 1.18, God says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Jesus uh, picks up that message again in Matthew 11.28. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's repeated again in John 7, verse 37, where Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. So that's the invitation of God. That's what God says to all of us, come. He invites us to come to the great supper <coughs> of salvation. So here's the last proposition, the last appeal. Notice that this is a saving word, because who says it? First we read it's the Spirit that says, come. That means the Holy Spirit. We know that when Jesus went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came, uh, mighty in power on this earth, and the role of the Holy Spirit in our age is primarily to convict people <clears throat> of their need of Jesus Christ and bring them to the Savior. John 16, he says, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So the Holy Spirit, he does many works on this earth, but his primary assignment is to exalt Jesus Christ to convict the human heart of sin, and to give people an understanding of their need for Jesus. So uh, he says, come. But notice who the second person is. The Holy Spirit says, come, but who else? What does the verse say in verse 17? And the bride. Who's the bride? We are. We're to be saying to a lost and dying world, come. Come to Jesus. That's a beautiful picture there. We are engaged to the Lord Jesus. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come and snatch his bride out of this earth. But until he does, he has given us the assignment as the church to go to this world and compel them to come to Jesus. That's the primary role of the church. And that's what, what we're here and what we're for and what we're all about. Everything we do here is to be centered around that. So the Holy Spirit says, come. The bride says, come. And it continues on and says, let him who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. That means it's now put on a personal basis. It's easy sometimes for us to talk about the church. Because when we talk about the church, sometimes we're talking about the preacher, or we're talking about the Sunday school teachers, or we're talking about the deacons, and it's their responsibility to do it. And he says, no, if you're thirsty, you, you come. So he puts it on a personal basis there, because sometimes we generalize it, and that's easy for us to do to gloss it over talking about the Bible. So I want to encourage you and remind you that the work has only begun of inviting people to Jesus. You and I know somebody who needs Jesus. Every one of us has a friend. Everybody knows somebody uh, that we do business with, a, a neighbor. All around us are people who need to know the Lord. Not only is it a saving word, but it is also a satisfying word because it says, let him that is thirsty come. He's saying, if you're thirsty, come to him. There may be desires deep down in your heart that only Jesus can quench in the thirsting of the soul. Only Jesus can fill that emptiness in your heart. If you're thirsty, Jesus says, come. Not thirsty physically, he's talking about. Thirsty spiritually. He offers you literally the pitcher, the, the spring, if you will, uh, of salvation. He says you can drink just as deep as you want. You can drink and you can drink and you can drink. Jesus Christ satisfies 
the human soul. So he says, come, that, what a saving word that is. What a satisfying word that is. But what a simple word that is. Because also notice there in verse 17, Notice here what a simple word is. It's beautiful to study the different pictures of salvation in the Bible. One of the pictures is that salvation is like a door. I mean, how simple is that? You just walk through a door. You touch the handle, you open it, or if it doesn't have a handle like some of our sanctuary doors, you just push and, and walk right on through. You walk through a door. You don't have to be a college graduate to walk through a door. You don't have to have a course to learn how to walk through a door. You just walk through the door. Jesus says, I am the door. If any man enter in by me, he will be saved. And so coming to Jesus is like walking through a door. Now, how simple is that? Walking through a door. But look at this picture. Whosoever will let him take of the water of life without price, freely. In a little while, when this service is over, you can walk right back out here in the hallway to the water fountains and you can get you a drink of water. Understand this, you don't have to have a PhD to take a drink of water. You don't have to have a four-year course in college to learn how to drink water. All you have to do when you're thirsty is to just take the water and drink it. What he's saying is that's how simple salvation is. Jesus has already done the hard part. He's put the cup of salvation on the table. And all you have to do is just reach out and take it. And that may seem like it's too good to be true. But, but let me just tell you it is true. Because the Bible says whosoever will let him take of the water of life without price. Freely. Freely means without cost to you. You don't have to pay for it. Jesus has already paid the price of your sins on Calvary. He paid it all on Calvary's cross. So come and take of the water of life, whosoever will. And for us as the church, the bride, that's the message we're to be telling the world. Come and receive Jesus freely. Now notice in this last proposition that God leaves the matter with the human will. Now, sometimes we get caught up and we think about things like Calvinism. We think of predestination, election, ordination, all those kinds of truths. And they are truths that are taught in the Bible. But sometimes people are afraid, well, I'm, I'm a one of the elect or not one of the elect. Let me tell you who the elect are and who the non-elect are. The elect are the whosoever wills and the non-elect are the whosoever wants. Simple as that. Those who don't receive Jesus Christ were not part of the elect. If anybody wants to be saved, the Bible says in, in Scripture, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Uh, and so uh, that settles the whole issue as far as we're concerned. And, and then this moves to the last part here, the last prohibition uh, in verse 18 and verse 19. He issues this warning. It's a caution, a word of caution in this statement here. We have 66 books in the Bible uh, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. But here's what he says in verse 18. I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Wait, wait a second. He told us there was a blessing. Now he tells us there's a warning here. 
You know, when the books of the Bible were finally canonized and finally completed, it came to be accepted by the Christian church. At that point in time, the canon of the scripture was closed. And that simply means that there are no books that can be added to the scripture. Uh, every now and then you hear somebody who's talking about a, a new book that ought to be added. People talk about the forgotten gospels or all of those kinds of things. Here is a word of prohibition. This word says the canon is closed. You cannot add to the word of God. But also notice it cautions the critic of scripture. There's a word here in verse 19 uh, of caution to those who criticize the scripture. We have today uh, those who sit in judgment on God's word, uh, those who decide what can be believed and what can be, uh, can't be believed. Uh, and, and you hear people who make those kinds of arguments. Years ago, there was a, a movement called the Jesus Seminar uh, that came along. This group of so-called scholars, they got together and they decided what they would vote on was, uh, was what, what, what was and what was not the words of Jesus in the Bible. And they did it with a series of beads. If they believed uh, that Jesus said something in the Bible, they voted, uh, if they didn't believe he said something, they voted with a black bead. And they adopted four different ones. Red meant it was likely authentic. Pink was somewhat likely. Gray was somewhat unlikely. And black was unlikely. By the time they got finished, they, what they had voted as most likely to be authentic was the scripture that says, turn the other cheek, uh, give your cloak and your shirt, uh, con congratulations of the poor, don't lie in Matthew 5.33, go the second mile, uh, the, the scripture's about the leaven, uh, the scripture's about who do you honor, the Caesar or God, uh, in those scriptures in, in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, give to beggars, the good Samaritan story, and those who are hungry. When the dust had settled, they had decided 80% of the words ascribed to Jesus in the Gospels were not actually spoken by him. They had determined to eliminate most of the words of Jesus in the New Testament. This verse is a warning and a prohibition not to do that. And then he says in verse 20 and verse 21, the final last proclamation, he who testifies to these things says... Surely, I am coming soon. And you know what the congregation said? Amen. Preach it, preacher. Amen. Surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That word, amen, just simply means I agree. I believe that. Jesus said to John, I'm going to come again. And you could just almost imagine that old Saint John there uh, on the island of Patmos. God had just opened up to him the glories of the future world. God had just given him a revelation of all the future of the heavenly Jerusalem, the new city, all the glories that awaited. And it's as if John, from the depths of his heart, says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we say today, come, Lord Jesus. Are you ready for him to come? Are you ready for him to come? Amen. That's what John said. Say it loud. If you knew you only had tonight to get ready for the coming of the Lord, what would you do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your truth. And Lord, may our lives reflect what the book of Revelation ends with. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Heavenly Father.
for all that you have done for us. And we ask, Lord, uh, that you would be with us and help us to faithfully walk with you and live for you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let me just remind you uh, to join us. Let me get my thing up here. Uh, Join us again Sunday morning. We'll be in service uh, for Sunday school at 9.15. Church will start at 10.30, so you can join us online. You can come and join us uh, in person. encourage you to do that if you can. Uh, You have a blessed week, and we will see you this coming Sunday.